You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. To paraphrase Henny Youngman, I am a light eater. As soon as it's light, I start to eat. So I followed my doctor's advice and went on a seafood diet. That didn't work either, because every time I see food, I eat it. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Meg Zeller. Dr. Zeller is an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. She's in the Division of Behavioral Medicine and Clinical Psychology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Today we are discussing the psychosocial correlates of pediatric obesity as they relate to the cause and prevention. Dr. Zeller, thank you for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. Overweight kids, with no pun intended, it's a big problem. What made you choose to work with overweight children? Was there any personal reasons, or how did you end up where you are now? You know, it's interesting. Um, I was working in a completely different field in terms of a pediatric population, and in the 90s, when people started paying attention to the pediatric obesity epidemic as it was starting to surge, or at least people were counting things differently and paying more attention, um, was at a time when I was choosing a direction. And uh, so in many respects, I followed the epidemic in terms of getting in and trying to understand what was happening. And our hospital actually had an initiative at that time as well. So it was sort of timing and interest in this population both combined. Funny you should mention the 90s. In preparation for talking with you, I pulled out my file on obesity and came across a supplement to the March 1998 issue of Pediatrics entitled, The Causes and Health Consequences of Obesity in Children and Adolescents. It doesn't appear that we've made much progress. Is that frustrating to you? And what's new? <laughs> it's very frustrating to a lot of people. And when I, when I talk to people who are in training or you know, people who are just coming into the field and they, they're very ambitious and they have lots of good ideas, I, I always am quick to point out that there are a lot of smart people who've been doing a lot of good work over several decades now, and we haven't gotten very far. And what does that say? Uh, so it's not as if people haven't been paying attention um, or doing good work. It's just such a complex problem that's getting ahead of us. If someone comes in to see you with their child who is significantly overweight, how do you approach it, and is there a plan of attack? Um, I think what many people do first is try and understand a family's readiness is a word that gets used a lot, but just what is their understanding of the child's health status? Because often there needs to be a lot of education around what obesity really is, what the risks are in terms of long-term health, the risks for that child to remain obese into adolescence unless they intervene, or if it is an adolescent sort of delivering the news that your adolescent without intervention is likely going to be an obese adult. Those things are hard for parents to hear, and they, they may or may not believe them or be ready to hear it because there's always the idea that kids will grow out of it, which I think allows people to not move forward and do something about it because the hope is, because it's hard, and the hope is that it'll just take care of itself. Grow out of it. My problem as a child was I grew into it. As a practicing pediatrician, I am amazed the number of parents that come into my office, having just come from the health club, many of them still wearing their sweats, and they're sitting there feeding their child gummy bears and Cheetos. It seems to me that they have 
developed a confusion between being fed and being loved. Is that something that you work with or have also found to be true? It's an interesting point. You know, being a parent myself, you, you enjoy giving your kids what they like. Your kids respond to what they see. So they see things on television. They see things their friends are eating. There are lots of things obviously marketed to kids that would make them want to buy them or try them. And so as a parent, you're forced with making the decision about, do I go with the trend or do I stick to what I know is healthy eating? And it's a hard line to draw and it's a hard line to reinforce unless you're very patient and committed to making that happen for your kids. It's hard work. Do you do anything with lifestyle in, the, in the, regards to the way you've been taking the conversation? I mean, how do you say no to fast food? It seems these people are traveling from activity to activity to activity, and the drive through is the simplest thing to do. How do you break that habit? That's the easiest example is the drive through and that's an easy habit to establish, but also processed foods um, that you can just put in the microwave for three minutes are very easy for parents who are very busy to serve up to their kids, but they're not the healthiest choices for a child or an adult to have. And so it's a family being able to make the time and make the commitment to prepare healthier food ahead of time or prepare, sort of get good thoughts around how to create a quick meal for a family that doesn't involve fast food or processed foods. It just takes time and and energy to figure it out and how to make it work for your family. What would be the first step? Recognizing that it needs to happen in the first place and that it's good for the whole family. So oftentimes you'll have a family approach you, be it in a clinic or, you know, someone just talking about it to you on the street or, you know, a neighbor or a friend, and they'll say, well, you know, this particular child has a weight issue, but no one else in the family does. Or, you know, my husband isn't going to change how he eats, even though I know he should, but, you know, he's not willing to change. And the issue is that... The healthy eating we should be teaching our children isn't dieting, it's healthy eating. And that what you might have an overweight child eat and the portion sizes the overweight child should be eating to effectively lose weight really is appropriate for any child to be eating to maintain a healthy weight. And being active is what any child should be doing. And it's convincing people that sort of across the board, that healthy lifestyle would be true for anyone in the house and not just selecting an overweight kid to be the one that needs to do that. Have you had any success stories you could share with us where you really converted a family's lifestyle? You know, I, I've worked in clinic settings mostly, um, and I certainly have colleagues who work more one-on-one. And typically it is when a family comes in gung-ho as a team and there's usually a parent, one parent, if not both, who are equally as committed to making the changes so that it becomes what the family does, not what the child does. If you have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest today is Dr. Meg Zeller. Dr. Zeller is an associate professor of pediatrics in the Division of Behavioral Medicine and Clinical Psychology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. We are discussing the psychosocial correlates of pediatric obesity. Since we're talking psychosocial, are there any psychological issues that you've identified that are unique to or at least repeatedly occurring in overweight or obese children? Yes. One thing in particular, which 
really wouldn't be a surprise to the, the audience um, is that obese kids really suffer in the peer environment. So they are more likely to be teased, teased about their weight, their appearance, teased while being physically active. They are kids who are less liked by their classmates. Um, they have fewer friends than their classmates. I mean, it's just not a positive environment for them to be in. And so one can imagine being in that environment that you would probably stick to yourself um, if not because you don't have friends, it's maybe because people aren't treating you very nicely or you're afraid that they won't treat you nicely, and so you tend to stick to yourself. And so if you can imagine someone, regardless of weight status, sticking to themselves, they don't have as much to do. They're probably more sedentary, so they aren't probably doing as many activities at school. They are probably staying home more. They're probably watching more TV. And so it sort of creates this cycle where one could imagine that this kid would be more and more isolated over time if they remain obese. Well, I hope my mother isn't listening, but apropos to what you said, I still haven't forgotten when as a young child she used to buy me Huskies, and that just was horrible. One thing that I was surprised to read, though, in that 1998 report in pediatrics, and again, hopefully it has changed, was that there were studies that showed no relationship between self-esteem or depression and changes in weight. Is that different now? And changes in weight? That's what they said. Hmm. Well, what's interesting in the pediatric literature is that the literature doesn't suggest that depression is a huge correlate of pediatric obesity. It tends to be associated with it often when people aren't reading the literature closely. And what happens is when studies are done well with control groups and um, using the right measures, et cetera, you end up finding out that it's actually a small percentage of obese kids that actually are depressed. Now, that you shouldn't ignore that, and I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's not sort of the the quick thing that you could easily say about an obese kid. Self-esteem does tend to be impacted. As you can imagine, if you're in a peer environment that's negative over time, you're going to start feeling badly about yourself and who you are. There is evidence that would suggest that the older the kids get, the more self-esteem becomes an issue. Now, whether they change as a result of treatment, there really haven't been a lot of good studies that have looked at psychosocial changes as it relates to weight changes. So I I would say the jury's still out on that. Is there a take-home message to the audience? I mean, obviously, a healthy lifestyle for everyone is what's important here. When it comes to having an overweight patient, an overweight child that you're dealing with, is really trying to understand what their day-to-day life is like, what are things that are bothering them, which may surprise you. They may not be that this kid is sad and feeling bad about themselves, they may just want more friends and they want to be more involved in things and encouraging them about how to cope with teasing, which is obviously going to happen to them. But more along, I think, is talking with them about being ready to make changes. If without um, a family having backing this child, you're not going to get very far in telling this family to make changes. They've got to be ready to do it and they have to have the tools to do it, and they need support. Have you learned anything from your patients? I've learned quite a bit from being out in the community and hearing what the experiences are like for obese kids. Um, and it, 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 it doesn't bode well for their future 
uh, what we know about just their psychological status and their peer relations alone sort of sets them up for an adulthood that, that may not be very positive um, without a lot of change and help. So that alone concerns me, but just the health risks that they may not recognize, scary to me and for the, just the well-being of these kids. I don't know if they know what's coming. I would like to thank Dr. Meg Zeller, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing the psychosocial correlates of pediatric obesity. I leave you with the following thought. Stress, spelled backwards, is desserts. Coincidence? I think not. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.